Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and this is Exponential Wisdom, and I'm always delighted when I see Peter Diamandis is on my calendar for today, because however big I thought my brain was before I start talking to Peter, it shrinks while I talk <laughs> no, to him. No, I don't want to do that. I want to, ink, I want to expand your mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I have to create space for the new thing, so I have to throw out some existing information and knowledge. Okay. But we don't actually do that, do we, Peter? If you have knowledge, you enhance your knowledge with new knowledge. If it's the right kind of knowledge. Yeah. Peter, longevity, lots of breakthroughs and probably a lot more breakthroughs with the organizational breakthroughs that have happened because of the race for the vaccine here. Just as a thought, because you're involved in it yourself Mm -hmm. commercially and you know, the other players in that, the speed with which this was done, compare it to 10 years ago, that if this emergency had had 10 years ago, how fast was the vaccine? Basically, when we got it this time, probably, huh? (laughs) Yeah. So first of all, Dan, always a pleasure. And just to put a wrap and a theme around this podcast here, I think, you know, we've been on a mindset here. We covered exponential mindsets and abundance mindsets. So I think maybe let's wrap this around longevity mindset. And in the midst of a pandemic, people think about getting safe from this SARS-CoV-2 virus and immunization is part of that. So traditionally getting a vaccine through phase one, two, and three clinical trials has been a multi-year process. And, you know, I would say a couple years is the quickest and four years is typical, could be longer in some cases. And what's happened here in 2020 into 2021 has been the speed has quadrupled, at least. I know my own company, COVAX, which is now becoming part of a partnership with sister company, and we're calling it Vaccinity, where COVAX will be the vaccine. We went from end of March to going from standing start to 30 vaccine candidates to a primary vaccine candidate to capitalizing the company, to getting into humans and ending phase one. We just completed phase one in early January and entering now phase two, three in India, Brazil, Taiwan, and the US. And it's lightning speed. The world is more capital flowing and regulators are paying more attention. A lot of the process before was submit your data and wait, Hmm. wait for approvals. And now we're getting, I know in Brazil, for example, we've got from the time you submit your data to the time you get your approvals, it's lightning fast. So a lot of it is getting rid of bureaucracy. A lot of it is more capital available. And just the ability, even the Zoomiverse, right? Having instant meetings to look at the data, discuss it, make a decision and move forward is crazy fast. So yeah, it's extraordinary. And then, you know, the whole mRNA mm-hmm. process that Pfizer and Moderna have been pioneering. Can you just explain that it has to do with proteins, right? So there are a couple of different approaches to making a vaccine. The old vaccine approach was you take a virus, you beat it up, meaning you keep it roughly the way it was, but you get rid of its ability to infect effectively or to cause the damage. You introduce it and your immune system sees it foreign and your natural killer cells, your T cells, your helper cells, all of that form your immune system around it. But you're injecting a virus. The messenger RNA approach is that you're 
identifying a sequence of the virus and you're injecting into your cells a messenger RNA, which creates a part of the virus. You use your own cells' protein manufacturing capabilities to manufacture a segment of the virus that your cell then expresses on the cell surface and your immune system sees that foreign protein and generates an immune response to it. So you're using your own cells to create a segment of the virus, not the full virus. Mm-hmm. And then what we do in COVAX is we actually do a very similar system, but without the messenger RNA, we create a peptide, a sequence of amino acids that are manufactured in a what's called a CHO cell. And then we just present a segment of that. So we don't actually inject messenger RNA. We inject the multitope peptide and your cell recognizes mm-hmm. that. Anyway, bottom line is training your immune system to attack this foreign and your immune system is the most amazing machinery of the body. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. The ability to identify what is foreign, to remember it, and regenerate your antibodies if you haven't seen it for a year. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. One of my strategic coach entrepreneurs is a foremost IBF doctor in the United States and actually around the world. He was in for his workshop yesterday and I just had him talk about that. He said, I have to tell you about the moment that there's inception, you know, a fetus is born. He said, between that and just nine months before the fetus emerges as live baby, he says, there's about 50,000 things that can go wrong. I know, it's amazing. It's a miraculous we exist. And he said, I don't care how many babies I've delivered. I don't care how many pregnancies I've assisted with. He says, when the baby comes out, he says, I just say, how does this happen? How does this happen? Because there's so many ambushes and cliffs and everything that that organism could fall off, but it's learned how to deal with the opposition. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is extraordinary. And jumping into the longevity mindset, people say, what is a longevity mindset? And I say, it's a mindset that you actively search for those things that can help you live longer and more vital and that you believe you can, right? So I think that ultimately most people in the world just assume, yep, I've got 75, 80 years and that's it. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before that you can will yourself to death and you can will yourself to life, but longevity mindset isn't just, you know, being passive about this. It's being active in terms of doing the things required to help you live longer. So what do you think a longevity mindset is, Dan? Yeah, well, for me, one is that it was actually a set of other mindsets that really got me to it. And one of the things is that I should decide what the year of my death is. That was the first Uh thing I went after. And I just spent a few minutes saying, in my family, what was expected. And we were pretty long-lived, you know, it's 80s. Right now, I have three siblings who are in their 80s, so we've got pretty good genes. But basically, you know, 80s or 90s. And I said, yeah, but does that suit you? So I did this 1987. I went through this thinking process. So that's, you know, 33 years, 34 years ago. And I said, no, I said, why don't I set a really big goal here and then see what my brain does with that goal? So 
the average life for males in 1987 was 78, and I multiplied it by twice, and it came out 156. And I had a neat thing to do it because I was born in 1944, 56 years in the 20th century and 121st century. So I just played with the idea. And a lot of this is that you just allow yourself to think some ideas which are not normal. You know, you can't make something that's abnormal normal unless you think about it a lot so that it becomes a normal way of thinking, you know. I said, I'm not going to tell anybody about this for five years, but every time I think about my age, I'm just going to mention the number 156. And about five years in, my brain just went to 156. But Peter, what I noticed was that it changed my whole notion of the present. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you feel like you've got multiple careers, multiple opportunities, it's like life is abundant in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, yeah. And then I started, I created a neat little exercise for the entrepreneurs, and then I just noticed what happened to them. And I would say, you know, there are some exceptions, but within one year, they were twice as interested in exercise, twice as interested in getting good medical checkups, taking care of something that was a problem. And I said, how long do you think you're going to live is perhaps the most fundamental thought in the human brain. Yeah, I completely agree. We all know of the couple that you know, are very close and the man dies and the woman dies shortly thereafter or vice versa. Buckminster Fuller, it was 20 minutes. Wow. There's lots of examples. And I think, you know, if you are committed to longevity, you're going to change your diet, your exercise, your sleep, your mindset. And another part of it is what do you... And who you hang out with. I was going to say, it's what you consume as information and who you hang out with, right? If you're hanging out with octogenarians who are talking about everyone who's died, your mindset is just focused on that. If you're hanging out with young or mentally young, vital individuals who are focused on how long am I going to live? What am I going to do? What am I going to do next? You know, my 10-year plan, my 20-year plan, my 50-year plan. I mean, when you start doing that, it changes the way you prepare. Yeah. I always say that if you got five things, one of them is more important than the other four. Mm -hmm. I am a basic simplifier, and so are you. You're a simplifier. And I said, you know, if I think I'm going to live to 156, I'm really interested in exponential technology. I'm really, really interested in abundance. I'm really, really interested in all sorts of things, you know. And the reason is I'm going to have the time to really take advantage of all these things. I really notice it. I have to tell you, it's been a profound difference once I hit 70, and I'm seven years past 70 now, that people really start paying attention to you when you start talking about this when you're 77. Okay, so I was sharing a little technique that I have, and what I'm noticing is people have all sorts of measurements for this, and a technique that I have, Peter, is that I exercise every morning, and before I start my exercise, I said, just remember that what you're doing in the next hour, you're going to be able to do when you're 100 years old. Hmm. Sure. Yep. 
So all through, I'm really vigorous. I'm doing intense. I said, the reason I'm going intense today is because when I'm age 100, that's 2044, I'm going to be able to do this. People say, well, how can you be sure? I said, because I'm just going to do it every day between now and 100. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is a change. You know, this is a change. And, you know, one of the things is that people I've known all my life, I know I'm going to outlive them. I have five living siblings, and they have collectively, there's probably about grandchildren. They probably have, you know, 25, 30 grandchildren. And I have much closer relationships with the grandchildren than I do with my own siblings. Yeah, I believe that very much. You know why? Because they're going to be around. (laughs) And they're mentally the same age. They're going to be around, you know. (laughs) So, you know, when people say, well, how do you frame this, Peter, in terms of the technology and such? Let me take a moment because I want people to realize that the world today is different than it was 20 or 30 years ago. That exponential technologies are transforming healthcare in a fashion that is allowing us to catch cancer, heart disease, neurodegenerative disease earlier than any time ever, and to catch it when it's preventable. So I think of the world and the longevity mindset in two segments. There's what we're going to intercept in the next decade. And there we're intercepting work that we've covered in the past episode of age reversal, areas like gene therapy and stem cells and a whole multitude of areas that are going to actually rejuvenate us in extraordinary ways. The other part is what do we do right now? And what we do right now, I think it's exercise for sure. Muscle mass correlates with longevity directly. Sleep, sleep is critically important to get actually getting eight hours of sleep, but you know, at least seven. And I prioritize sleep. I really do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I didn't when I was in medical school or earlier in my life. Diet. And for me, It's the elimination of sugar. Mm -hmm. Sugar is a poison or... Cancer food. Cancer food, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so how do you get into ketosis Mm -hmm. and how do you eliminate to the maximum degree you can fast carbohydrates and sugar? And intermittent fasting is... uh, Intermittent fasting is part of that equation, absolutely. Sleep, exercise, diet, and then mindset is what do I believe? What do I read? Who do I hang out with? What do I think about myself, my age and such? You know, I feel like I'm 28 and that's sort of like mentally where I'm, you know, locked in and want to keep there. Yeah. I wrote a book about what my plan was for lifting the 156. And in that book, Peter, I listed three conditions, psychological, emotional, intellectual, that I thought were there that would support uh, extending physical life. And the first one is that you always have a increasing quality and quantity of friends, people that you consider the friends, okay? So you're not getting lonelier. You're not the only one left. Number two is whatever your next biggest goal is as you go along, there's always more than enough money to handle that, okay? So it's not a number. It's just conditioned about that you're never running into something that you want, that the money isn't there to handle it. So money. Third one is that the purpose you have for your future is bigger than anything you've achieved in your past. So important. So important. I've added two more since then, and this is conversational, Peter. The fourth one is there's a constant increase in the level of enjoyable novelty in your life. Yeah. 
I agree. If life's boring for you. Well, even threatening novelty. Last year, we've had some threatening novelty. Here's a thought that I have, Peter, and maybe we can do a thing that a lot of people got younger during the last 10 months because they were forced to respond in almost a complete way to an entire new set of novelties in their life. You know, I agree with you because it stimulates your brain. I do a trick. If I'm ever, like, I wake up and I'm like, oh, shit, I've got to deal with this today. And it's something that has a negative element. It's either scary or it's a pain in the ass or whatever. I do a mental flip where I say, okay, this is good. This is being alive. You know, it's not a boring day. It's a day I'm going to be alive and I'm going to, I'm not sure how it's going to go, but it's going to be amazing. And if you can flip it like that, you know, you should do something that's scary every day as the saying goes. Yeah, I have one where something negative happens. I have an exercise, it's actually a thinking, it's called the experience transformer. And I said, this is never, ever going to happen to me again. And then I have to make all sorts of changes and improvements to guarantee that it's never going to happen again. So I don't mind the first mistake. The same mistake twice really, really bothers me. Yes, I mean, you always make new mistakes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the fifth one, and it's one that I've been working on, Peter, is that you're proud of who you used to be. Okay. Okay, so you're not trying to escape from your past. Colin Frith was an actor, and he won an Academy Award about three or four years ago. This hits on a couple of mindsets. And when he accepted his Academy Award, Best Actor for the Year, he said, I guess it's all downhill from here. And I said, "Uh uh-oh. And the interesting thing, he's done nothing really important since that time. And then you have the mental studies of various of the astronauts who— I say, you know, you land on the moon— and you're 36 years old, what are you going to do next, right? But the fact of the matter is that's a platform from which to build extraordinary things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was saying, you know, you land on the moon. You've been thinking about this since you were eight years old. You land on the moon. You come back. There's a ticker tape parade. You go to the White House. Then you're back in Houston, and you're leaving for NASA headquarters on Monday. And your wife says to you, since you're going to be around here now, can you pick up some ground beef on the way home? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's great. You know, it, was, it was, you know, because it's like, <laughs> do you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> There's always a bigger future, right? So I loved last week when Elon surpassed Jeff Bezos as the richest person on, on the planet, at least publicly disclosed well. His response to it in a tweet was something along the lines of, oh, that's interesting, dot, 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 time to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can create incredibly much bigger futures for yourself. Yeah. Because the tools that we have and the amount of time you have and your abundance mindset's constantly expanding. And I think that's ultimately, you know, when I'm serving my abundance members, that's my goal is help them see a bigger future for themselves, help them see the tools they have, help them see the time that they have. And ultimately, you know, people say, aren't you worried about all this exponential tech causing harm and being used for evil and so forth? The countervailing force to that is the entrepreneur who uses this tech to make the world a better place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
first guy who invented the spear, we were into that game. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a constant. But the thing is that, first of all, it's possible to negotiate this in the age that you and I are living in, Peter. I mean, people have thought about this forever, you know, longer lifetimes or immortality. You know, this has been a constant quest. We just happen to live, luckily, in a period of history when this is becoming a practical reality and it's a negotiation. In other words, you're you're negotiating. I would say the other thing is that there's literally trillions of dollars of capital that's going into this project. Yep, there are. And the other thing is some of the most ambitious and creative scientists and technicians and that want to make their mark in this particular field. I could not agree more, and you still can't take it with you. So it's the biggest business opportunity on the planet. So when it comes down to a longevity mindset, to sort of put a fine point on this towards the end, I think it's important for folks to realize that you don't need to accept what used to be the norm, that there's going to be a change. There is a change now and a change that is happening that without a target, you'll miss it every time. So creating a target for you is really important. And that mindset and that target, you know, you don't sit back and eat potato chips and sit on the couch and expect it to happen. It's important for you to realize, okay, in my longevity mindset, these are the things I'm going to do. I am going to exercise every day. I'm going to get rid of sugar. I'm going to sleep eight hours. I'm going to do. And so picking those things and then who you hang out with, what you read, and availing yourself to the best treatments as they become available. Mm -hmm. And if you do those things, you will avail yourself of a extended vital health span. Peter, just before we finish off, can you go into something that is probably the biggest paradigm shift in this whole thing, that it is disease and decline that is the abnormality. Having healthy longevity is actually normal it's the normal thing that disease itself and aging is abnormal. Yeah. So our bodies are, you know, the 3.2 billion letters in our genome that we have the same genome at the moment of birth and the moment of death, you know, slight modifications from mutation or radiation or the case might be, but effectively our bodies are in optimal health, typically in our 20s. We've gone through puberty, we're operating, and our gene regulation, meaning the genes that are supposed to be turned on or turned on, the genes are supposed to be turned off or turned off, and we're in an optimal state of health. And then as we grow older, the body goes into a dysregulation, meaning all of a sudden, certain genes that should be on or turned off and certain genes that should be off or turned on. And it's in that dysregulation that disease and aging come into existence. And so it's how do you get the body back into the proper state of regulation? And a lot of the work being done by incredible leaders like David Sinclair and George Church, both of whom I'm going to be having at A360 this year, are working on, it's called epigenetic reprogramming. And the epigenome is, as it sounds, like the regulatory structure on top of the genome, how you turn on certain genes and how you turn off certain genes. And that's critically important. And the work there is stunning. David Sinclair just published a paper in Cell in which he talked about epigenetic reprogramming. He took rats that had gotten very old and had destroyed their retinas and their optic nerves and such. And 
through epigenetic reprogramming was able to reverse all the disease. We're actually working on an X prize right now for age reversal. I want it to be a $100 million prize, my largest one yet, and where you have to demonstrate age reversal in two or more organ systems with the same treatment. Yep. Yep. Anyway. Peter, I just have one thing to say about all this. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, exactly. You know, what I have to say about this is don't (laughs) die from something stupid. Yeah. Wear your seatbelt. Look both ways as you cross the street. Last thing you want to do is like miss this longevity wave. Yeah. People ask me, do you really, really think, you know, that you're going to live that long? And I said, here's my daily motto. Today, I'm going to give death no assistance. (laughs) Like that. That's nice. For any of our listeners who are interested in Strategic Coach and how entrepreneurs use Strategic Coach, just go to strategiccoach.com. And for those interested in Abundance 360 and getting coaching from me on exponential technologies, longevity and abundance mindsets and how to really 10x your business from those perspectives, go to www.a360.com, a360.com. All right, buddy. Well, listen, a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I wish you well. My best to Bab. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, see you a couple weeks at A360. Take care, my friend. Yep.